Welcome to the Monday Night Scores, the new wrestling podcast covering the epic battle for rating supremacy that was waged between Vince McMahon's WWF Raw and Eric Bischoff's WCW Monday Nitro. Nitro arrived on the scene as the challenger, there to take on and topple the WWF's wrestling monopoly. How? Well, with a heady combination of established former WWF megastars like Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, and exciting up-and-coming grapplers like a young Eddie Guerrero. So what the hell are we doing here, I hear you ask? Well, we're going back a quarter of a century to experience the wars right from their beginning in September 1995. We'll relive the wars in their entirety, celebrating the highs, groaning at the lows, and pissing ourselves laughing at the intended and, we suspect, more likely unintended moments of comedy. So who the hell are we? Well, let's start by introducing ourselves. I am one of your hosts, my name is Steve, and I am joined by two other late 90s wrestling connoisseurs, Jim and Liam. All right, lads? Hello. Hello. We grew up with and absolutely loved wrestling in the late 90s, though we only really watched WWF Raw. So not only did we miss the first battles of the Monday Night Wars, we missed almost an entire side of the war. So having seen virtually none of WCW's attempt to sit atop the Monday Night Throne, Jim, what are you most looking forward to as we embark upon this grand adventure? I think it's like you touched on there, just missed the majority of one half of the world, like watching World War II and not having any knowledge of the Nazis. Um, <laughs> WCW, really, for me, because I've, I've heard yeah. a lot about it, not in any way am I comparing WCW to the Nazis, but uh, I've heard a lot about them. <laughs> I've not seen very much at all, really, if any, hardly anything. So, yeah, uh, me, yeah me I'm looking too. forward to seeing how, how they rose to prominence competing with uh, WWF. Almost... Uh, pushed him out of business, almost prevailed in, in, yeah, in, yeah. in, a, in a battle and then seeing how it all turned to filth at the end. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Liam, same question to you. What are you looking forward to the most? Uh, kind of similar, really. I was quite blinkered um, as a youngster growing up, so it was, it was you know, predominantly just WWF on my uh, TV screen. Um, and I didn't really take any interest in uh, WCW Nitro at all. Um, the, the, my, my, my memory of WCW at the time was that I'd flick over mm. and uh, there would just be uh, garbage being chucked into the ring <laughs> from the crowd. So I took that for like a metaphor of what WCW is all about. That's what you're so, expecting. So I didn't really pursue that, you know, as a, as a program. Um, so you know, devoted all my time towards the WWF. So, Correct. and as a, as a as a as a young as a youngster, you, you you kind of miss obviously a lot of things. Like you're just amazed by you know people beating each other up. So um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be yeah. quite it'll be quite entertaining to go back and see some of the uh, some of the gimmicks you've missed. But specifically, how are we going to do all this? I hear you ask again. Well, it's all about coming down to brass tacks, the TV ratings. Each week, we'll watch the shows, take you through the highs, the lows, and the side-splitting moments. Then we'll each explain three ratings builders, so which bits want to make us tune in again next week, and three ratings killers, which bits make us dread tuning in next time around. We'll then decide which show we think deserved to win the ratings battle that week before we then discover, via a sealed golden envelope, which show actually did win according to the Nielsen ratings that week. Three builders, three killers, which show should have won before finding out which one did at the time. Clear? Good. Right, well that is more than enough waffling. Let's take ourselves back to the start of the Monday Night Wars. The date is September the 4th, 1995. This week... Sony launched the PlayStation in North America. How old do you feel now? It would go on to sell over 100 million units worldwide. 
Mortal Kombat topped the US box office for its final week at number one, having been there since the 20th of August. And Smash by The Offspring tops the UK rock and metal charts, featuring absolute bangers like Gotta Get Away, Come Out and Play and Self-Esteem. And since finding that out, I've been listening to nothing else all week. Right, now we know what we're asking Santa for at Christmas, what we're watching on the big screen, and what we're headbanging to on the way to school. Let's see how Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff are going to compete with that lot. There'll be carbohydrate cash-ins, gratuitous table smash-ins, but no monster truck crashing yet. Let's get cracking! We start with the first episode of WCW Monday Nitro and already there's a problem as there's no Raw this week. So now, well, we entertained the idea of skipping straight to next week. So the first time Raw Nitro went head to head, which we cover in this episode, fear not. There is just far too much abject comedy in the first episode of Nitro for us not to cover it. So here goes. We kick off with some exciting, super late 90s intro graphics. We're in a grimy, seemingly abandoned kind of downtown setting, which is starting to explode with electricity and bright orange flames and chunky guitar metal riffing, with shots of all the exciting WCW wrestlers superimposed onto the walls, featuring the likes of Hulk Hogan, Sting, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, Vader... Didn't know he was on WCW, and Hulk Hogan. We're in Minneapolis, Minnesota for the launch of Monday Nitro, and oh my god, what the hell is this? We're not in an arena, we're not even in a sports hall, we're in a piss and shopping centre. Yes, you heard me correctly. We're kicking off this monumental show in the Mall of America, which Eric Bischoff on comms tells us is the only building big enough to hold the debut edition of WCW Monday Nitro. I'd just like to point out that they had a distinctly uh, smaller crowd here than what they would have had had they were <laughs> no, in a, within the arena. A couple of hundred people here, wasn't it? <laughs> tiny. Oh man, crazy. What a, what a bizarre start. Instantly lying to us, Eric Bishop. <laughs> yeah, of course. There is, there is a commercial tie-in, which is why you're here, Eric, and you know it. <laughs> which we get to shortly. In the middle of a food court, we find a nitro ring looking resplendent in amongst the escalators and surrounded by confused shoppers getting their Christmas presents in early. What did you two make of this set in here when we got inside? What did this look like? I mean, it's just... Yeah, it was speechless. There was a bit of a health and safety issue going on with people watching on the escalators, I noticed. And then just going up and down. Yeah, and like, constantly. Yeah. It's like if you didn't get a ticket, you could just sit on an escalator all day and watch yeah, it. Yeah, that could have caused problems. Yeah. Oh, crazy. There was too much going on around the ring for me. You know, there was there was people going to Toys R Us. Toys, the Toys R Us looked really busy at one point. <laughs> but um, it did. People so escaping on, this shit. <laughs> I was focusing on that at one point. And like Jim said, the escalators were, were, were popping off every every couple of seconds. So. You'd have thought I'd turn them off, wouldn't you? But Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Bonkers. Well, after these bemusing opening visuals, we head ringside, where we're greeted by our announced team, Eric Bischoff, who's sporting black Lego wear, a matinee idle smile, and a naughty brown suit jacket. He's joined by Drell from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, a.k.a. Penn Gillette. He's looking a bit weird. Oh, shit, sorry, that's Steve Mongo McMichael, who's come straight from the NFL, apparently. <laughs> this guy is an absolute weapon. He starts off by telling us that this building is apropos, and he doesn't mean digging around in the dirt with farm implements, baby. What the hell is this? <laughs> what the hell is this? Right. Mercifully, he's interrupted by the legend that is Bobby the Brain Heel, who arrives and runs rings around Mongo straight away. Despite Mongo shaking hands with him and zapping him with like a kid's joke electric shocker and tells him, don't underestimate Mongo, or as the WWE Network caption suggests, don't underestimate Mango, and I will never again <laughs> do that. WWE Network, I will never again do that. Right, enough of that shite, let's get on with the first match. 
And we've got what looks like a cracker. Fitting of kicking off this historic programme, even if we're in a shopping centre. We've got Jushin Thunder Liger straight from New Japan and Flying Brian Pillman. Liger's out first to generic East Asian wrestler music and the man arrives at the top of the gangway in this his amazing red spandex full body suit and this multi-pointed full head mask making him look like some kind of mythical wrestling dragon. Superb. Bischoff says he's one of the most popular wrestlers in Japan and he's arrived here where the big boys play. Where the big boys play? Jesus, is this the new tagline? Where the big boys play? It's <laughs> a bit naughty, isn't it? It's horrific. Anyway, he's soon joined by Flying Brian, a.k.a. Brian Pillman, in red tights and white boots, billed from Hollywood, California, and he looks like it too. Eric promises us an exciting bout, given Brian's aerial prowess and Liger's skill, and he's not wrong. After some early grappling, Liger executes a cartwheel kick to Brian in the corner, which Eric, the best eyes in the world, Bischoff, tells us connected right underneath his earlobe. How did you see that, Eric? You, you chip me. Some exciting acrobatics follow with Liger executing this springboard moonsault press from the turnbuckle, which was nice, except flying Brian out of weight like a little too long in the middle of the ring. The two lads continue with a combination of some lovely fast-paced action, broken up by some distracting wide shots of the Mall of America escalators going <laughs> full of new shoppers, as you mentioned, and some slightly sort of sloppy, <laughs> disjointed stuff from these lads. This one it sort of never quite felt like it really got going um, but there's definitely bags of potential here both lads are clearly quality performers and I just think this one's just missed the mark a little bit but anyway after a cracking reverse surfboard submission hold from Liger he then follows that up with a senton to the outside we head to the finish back in the ring and there's a superplex from Thunder Liger he gets a near fall he heads up the top rope to seal the deal and Pillman meets the resulting axe angle with a drop kick in midair look good a powerbomb from Liger only gets a two. The two go back and forth some more before Brian gets the win to the crowd's delight with a wheelbarrow victory roll. After what is a pretty poor promo from Sting, who, in fairness, I cannot wait to see more of as we start doing this. Like, I've not really seen much of him until he's, you know, much, much later in his career. So I'm yeah. keen to see him in this, you know, in Physically, he looks great, though, doesn't he? looks superb. I don't get why he's all purple. He's a scorpion, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's true. His gimmick is he's a scorpion. You're right, yeah. <laughs> One of them fam famous neon purple scorpions. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, after this, we head to a break. When we come back, and after some more comedy establishing shots of the shopping centre escalators in action, we head to a segment that I cannot believe does not live in wrestling infamy. How have I not heard of this before? Eric Bischoff on comms tells us that earlier he caught up with the WCW heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan. And as the package starts, we discover that Hulk isn't somewhere you'd probably expect. The gym? No. His dressing room? No. Muscle Beach? No. Where is he? He's surrounded by kids in what looks like a McDonald's rip-off diner selling more carbs than you can shake a stick at, and it's called Pasta Mania. <laughs> Pasta Mania. It does, uh, you can't just shove anything before Mania and make... Anyway, anyway. In the foreground, oh, Bischoff is holding a mic and he, <laughs> and he fights his way, he fights his way, alarmingly forcefully, in my, in my humble opinion, through the kids to the yellow vest and orange bandana clad Hulk Hogan. He shoves the mic in Hulk's face and Hulk delivers a cheesy-as-you-like promo about his upcoming bout with Big Bubba Rogers tonight here on Nitro. He asks the kids, Who's the greatest wrestler in the world? Muted high-pitched, uh, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so, really, 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 like, just flat. He says he's going to beat Big Bubba because he's lean after eating all this pasta. Pretty sure that's not a health food, Hulk. Yeah, that's not how it works. That's not how it is. It's a carb no. carbohydrate, right? He's going to be bloated. This is what I thought. Big chance for Bubba here later on, isn't it? If he's going to be... Uh... He's totally misunderstood the concept of carbo loading, isn't he? He really has. You don't eat as much uh, carbohydrates just before you uh, you go out and do smack things. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's, he's had tons of pasta, therefore he's lean. Ridiculous. And fire is a nutritionist after this, I think. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, even even amongst like elite endurance athletes, pasta mania has never been like a, a movement amongst yeah, them. It's, is not, it? it's not caught on. I've never heard Mo Farah going like, "Well, I'd like to thank Hulk Hogan, obviously, because yeah. otherwise, yeah, yeah. unbelievable." Introducing the idea to me. Yeah, shocking. Uh, in the background, Hulk's belt is being held aloft by a small child, barely managing to get it in frame behind the carbohydrate and E number flogging champ. But oh shit, it's not a kid. It's the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, who's sporting a headache-inducing stars and stripes painted tan suit jacket he's horrendous it's awful he's holding (laughs) Gogan's belt you can't really see him in shot and you see him a bit it's like oh come on he looks pathetic he's loving life oh he really is Hogan goes on to say he's putting the title on the line tonight and with Pastamania running through his brain eh, he's gonna win (laughs) (laughs) as as all his Pastamaniacs tear their WCW shirts off and then he's going to give Big Bubba a dose of his Hulkaroos and points to the menu. I don't know what they are. Hulkaroos? Hulkaroos. Or is that a dish? Maybe, yeah. Like Puttaneshka, Carbonara, <laughs> Yeah. And Hulkaroos. Then Hulkaroos. Yeah, I think it's pasta and kangaroo meat. I, I guess. <laughs> um, and then he's going to body slam him after giving him a dose. Hulk caps off this travesty segment by asking kids, what you going to do, but gets no response. So answers his own question with, all right. <laughs> it was yeah, so the, uh... bad. <laughs> The local tumbleweed uh, merchants would have had a field day, though, wouldn't they? <laughs> they really would. Literally answered his own question. It's terrible. Oh, oh, man. Fair play to those kids. They've actually had him over, though. They? I know, they've, they've absolutely <laughs> skewered the WCW yeah. world. They've been squeezed into this tiny shop. Like, come on, let's do this promo for us. Back to the mall. Not a phrase I thought I'd be saying on the first edition of Nitro. And we've got a US heavyweight title on the line. It's challenger Ric Flair against champion Sting. Get in. I am looking forward to seeing these two in action. So it was around this point I uh, was starting to scan the crowd um, because I do enjoy some comedic uh, some comedic signs in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, you're a good um, crowd watcher, aren't you? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah I, do, I do appreciate a, 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 a comedic sign. And then <laughs> one caught my eye. Um, on. It was only like A5 size. Um, and on on it, it just said, "I wish Fleur was my dad." <laughs> and then I started to think, "Which is a weird thing to say." Yeah, I mean, what parental skills has, <laughs> have you, has drawn you into to that statement? I mean, he goes around shouting "woo" all the time, <laughs> the dirtiest player in the game. Imagine that. Or was it? Was it just some mum who really fancies Ric Flair? Who's oh got yeah. Right. Take this. Take this sign. Take this. Take this in the nitro. <laughs> yeah. Right. Flair might see it. Just give him me number. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Dad, will you drop me off to school? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right. No. See you later. I'll get the bus. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> but I did enjoy it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Flair's cracking classical music intro hits, and we get the polar opposite from Sting. Some really naughty, generic soft rock with like the cheesy lyrics imaginable. He's a man called Sting, a man called Sting. He's strong as a bull and quick as a cat. Like, holy shit, this is poetry. It's just... <laughs> <is> awful. <laughs> Having said that, the crowd massively pop for Sting. This lad is as over as you like. Just before the bell rings, and what the hell? Standing at the top of the gangway, arms on hips, sporting one of the most heinous mullets I've ever seen, <laughs> and a baggy white linen shirt he's borrowed from Meatloaf, is WWF star Lex Luger. The comms team cannot believe it and claim to have no idea what's going on. The great train store is in the background, which diminishes this seismic moment somewhat. Back in the ring, the lads stare at Luger for a bit before the wily flair gets his focus back on the stinger and the bell goes and we get underway. The neon-face-painted sting squares off with Nate and we get a woo-off. Rick's signature woo against Sting's weird high-pitched bird-call type woo. 
<laughs> crowd seem to like it and that's all that matters. Some nice rope running, shoulder tackle takedowns and leapfrogs culminate in Sting getting Flair up in a full press, which he holds to the crowd's joy before slamming him onto the mat. Very strong, Sting, isn't he? He's a strong lad, he's Stinger, he really is. Great shape. We get a repeat spot, do it again before Flair's sent to the outside to recover. Some cracking then heelish eye rakes from the dastardly Flair are followed up by some nasty looking chops and some vicious punches from forearms, which work until Sting hulks up. He lands Flair with another full press body slam and then the two brawl outside. Flair tries the begging, please, no, spot with Sting. Not a continued classic Flair shithousery and absolutely superb. But Sting has none of it. He's, he knows exactly what Flair's trying here and he's not buying. The two catch their breath as we head to a break. When we return, Flair's in control, but as he heads up top, Sting leaps to his feet and press slams Flair to the, from the turnbuckle. Then Arn Anderson enters. Who's he here for, though? Flair or Sting? Bobby Heenan on comms says he thinks the two former horsemen, him and Flair, have patched things up, but Arn's body language seems to suggest otherwise. A huge superplex from Sting flattens Flair, but then Stinger gets distracted by Arn, giving Rick the opportunity to cut box Sting's leg from behind and apply the figure four leg lock. Sting tries to reverse it, nearly does, but then into the ring steps Arn Anderson, who takes off his tracksuit top and pummels Flair with furious left hands. The speed of the man is absurd. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Flair scarters to the back and then Arn returns to the ring where we think he might have some afters with Stinger. But no, he's just gone back for his tracksuit top. <laughs> fair, fair enough, Arn. It was a, it was a nice tracky top. Arn had a probably... Yeah, it was a proper shell suit, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I'd <laughs> yeah. gone back for it as well. He's super naughty. <laughs> then, just when you think we couldn't have any more run-ins, at ringside Uber heel Scott Norton is berating Bobby the Brain Heenan. He looks like an like absolute man-mountain, does Norton. Yeah. Brilliant. Norton then rounds on Bischoff, saying, I have a contract. Before anything happens, though, the macho man Randy Savage arrives to suggest a match with Norton right now. He then flies in the ring and rallies the crowd with arm signals and jerkassery like only macho man can do. Oh, yeah. Norton's up for it, but Bischoff won't let him. He says Norton's contract isn't signed and that if he puts one foot in that ring, he'll never wrestle for WCW. With Norton right in his grill, the macho man bouncing around the ring inside like the Tasmanian devil, trying to hold the ropes open to coax Norton in, Bischoff manages somehow to tell us at home that we're going to take a look at Sabu, another exciting wrestler, on his way to WCW soon. We then cut to a Sabu promo package with so many weird screen trails and rapid fire cuts and replays with some like, Nirvana rip-off riffs playing in the background. I now have a headache and couldn't tell you a single thing about Sabu that I couldn't at the start of this thing. What the hell was the point of this? This was bad. Yeah. Just, it was totally fucking pointless. Yeah, I thought I'd got, I'd got all nauseous or something when I was watching. I thought, what the fuck's this? Shocking promo, like, but it's quite, quite uh, exciting news for WCW to, to get Sabu. Obviously, dead right. Can't onto the show. Yeah, absolutely right. Looking for the legend that is Sabu. Correct. Next is another promo. This time it's VK Wall Street, better known to most of us as IRS from WWF, you know, late 80s, early 90s fame, who's clearly jumped ship too. And his new gimmick appears to be a Mr. McMahon ripoff. The initials VK being a dead giveaway. Uh, right you are, uh, Mr. VK. Next up, it's our main event. Out first is the challenger, Big Bubba Rogers. Better known to most of us as the Big Boss Man, who's just wearing a suit and looks like he could be a Mall of America security guard. He's followed by WCW heavyweight champ and carbohydrate connoisseur Hulk Hogan. Rip off real American theme to boot. I think which actually I think I'd probably prefer this one. Hulk's joined by the megaphone armed Jimmy Hart, who was previously carrying his belt but has swapped it for the megaphone this time round. 
we get underway and Hulk pushes Bubba away and then poses to flex his biceps to show his strength. Weird, given that those muscles definitely weren't used to push Bubba away, but that's fine. Bubba looks good here. Some lovely sort of rapid hands for a big man punches to the, the corner stricken Hulk. A lovely rib breaker on Hulk before Hulk reverses a running splash with a raised boot that took him an age to lift. Hulk mounts and punches Bubba on the deck with the ref counting to four and then instead of five and a DQ, he just pulls, pulls Hulk away by his hair or what's left of it. <laughs> we, we can spot that. I don't think I've seen a referee do that. I made a comment on his hair. It's terrible. Isn't oh, it? It's like a hippie fryer tuck, isn't it? Like, <laughs> what is going on? It's just completely bald on top and then it's just so so long around the sides. <laughs> It's it unbelievable. So it's it so was bad. absolutely ridiculous. If anyone needed to admit defeat, it is this man. Bubba then takes a body slam, then an elbow drop, then another. But then he regains control from Hulk and body slams him right back before delivering a lovely lifting side slam, a.k.a. rock bottom, but you land on your knees. Cracking that from Bubba. Surely this will do it. Yeah, right. Hogan kicks out and then the Hulk up begins. Hulk gets back on top and we get a big boot, a leg drop and a pin for the three. And Hogan wins clean. Course he does. He and Jimmy celebrate in the ring with Jimmy Hart dancing around like he's, you know, five. <laughs> and then what the hell is this? Three bizarre-looking men run at various speeds towards the ring. A man in a red and yellow get-up who looks like he could be Hulk Hogan's dad, who's painted bonkers fake eyebrows on his forehead, is joined by a, ta- a tasseled man with white face paint. I don't understand at all. And Kamala from WWF in the 80s, in exactly the same get-up as before. And then a great big bloke in blue spandex with shark teeth painted on the front joins. He looks a lot like... Na- it is! It's he Natural Disaster one. Avalanche, yeah! He was the best of this ragtag bunch, of <laughs> He was! Another bloke joins with black hair and black tights. We're told on comms that this is the Dungeon of Doom. I'm not kidding. Scary stuff. <laughs> yeah. I've not got high hopes for this. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't look this, good. This ragtag stable here. Because just when we think this is going to be it for the Hulkster, who enters to help Hulk out for no reason? It's only bloody Lex Luger. Lex and Hulk clean house far too easily. All of these blokes out straight away as soon as Lex <laughs> enters, and then they front up these two once they've cleared the rest out, as if they're going to go at it for no reason. Until Sting and Macho Man arrive to break it up between Lex and Hulk for no reason. After the break, Mean Gene Oakland has clambered into the ring. He's got his mic in hand and he prepares a shocking promo from Lex <laughs> who says <laughs> who says he's sick and tired of playing with children oh great start oh, no. great start to WCW career oh, no. why why would you say it what a great first impression from Lex <laughs> it's the first thing he said with a microphone in front of him <laughs> anyway I'm, I'm, and I swear I'm not kidding go and watch it Hulk says he's the champion and then basically repeats his Pasta Mania promo but replacing Pasta with Hulker before saying that he'll give Lex a title shot next week on Nitro for no reason. And with that, we are out. So that was WCW Monday Nitro, the first one ever from the Mall of America in Minneapolis, Minnesota. But what do we make of it? We know we don't have a Raw to compare it to this week. Hold fire, that'll come soon. But we'll give you now our take on what the Nitro ratings builders and Nitro ratings killers were. The three from each of us. Jim, kick us off first with your Nitro ratings builders. 
Uh, building one, I've gone Flair versus Sting. So we've got two nice. legends in action. A great way to, to kick off your new show. Building number two, a lot of love for the first match on show, uh, Brian Pillman versus Jushin Thunder Lager. So maybe it went on a bit long, I thought, but the, the good, it was good, fast-paced. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of action, yeah. a lot of stuff to like there, I thought. Agreed. And build number three is uh, Bobby Heenan. So I'm, nice. I'm not going to say anything anything too uh, revelatory here, I don't think. <laughs> but I thought he was absolutely fantastic on comms, playing the heel part superbly well. There's these little things, always Scott Norton kicking off at the comms team. Heenan kind of then subtly kind of points him towards Bischoff because <laughs> Heenan's on the end and Heenan's the one getting it in the ear and he kind of pushes him towards Bischoff. You deal with this, Bischoff, and then moves out of the way. That was great. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic. Brilliant stuff. Liam, same question to you. What were your three Nitro ratings builders? Clearly, number one was the Sting and Ric Flair match. Um, and just echoing what you said, just really good, really entertaining to see these two wrestling legends a little bit early on in their careers. I don't remember this this uh, this side of Sting to be honest, um, this this gimmick at all. So it was good seeing him play this like you know really physical, um, impressive athlete in the ring. Um, Rick Flair, obviously, as always, you know, just full of absolute shit um, <laughs> yeah. playing up to the crowd. So very entertaining. So v- very much looking forward to to, to watching. Uh, how these two progress going further. Um, Builder number two, I'm going to go for Bobby Heenan, um, just like you said, Jim. Um, and I think I think when you've got uh, Jerry Lawler on the on the uh, on the Raw program, who who is amazing, who's brilliant. Um, I think he 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 holds the uh, he holds the fort very nicely for WCW. Um, and with the other two commentators, we have got Mongo and Bischoff. Um, it's already not looking. It's already not looking promising, to be honest. So I think Bobby's got a lot of uh, a lot of work on his hands there. So yeah, I was impressed with Bobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, he put it. He put a shift in uh, on this episode. So well, well played to uh, Bobby Heenan. Fantastic. And then for number three, although the promo wasn't great and it left me right rather confused, I'm just quite excited to see Sabu next week. Um, yeah, this This yeah. you know hardcore legend. Uh, total disregard for his his body and his uh, his health in the ring. Yeah, um, I think that's quite a good coup for for Nitro moving forward. So very much looking forward to seeing Sabu next week. Yeah, lovely stuff. That's a, that's a proper ratings build of that one. That is genuinely going to make you tune in next time. In it, superb stuff, brilliant. Uh, so for me, build number one, Jushin Thunder Liger. Oh, I, I would love to see more of this. I think this is. Um, exactly what the pod's about going back and watching these guys and finding people you haven't seen you know as much as as you maybe um, would have liked to have done I could totally see this bloke slotting into any of the rest of the I used to watch in in the 90s and, and really adding something different and exciting and yeah it's more of him please build number two Sting being super over. It was great to see him, like you guys have said, in kind of in his prime and stuff but I just loved how how, how much the crowd were into him it just added so much more the first match with Thunder Liger and Pillman, um, neither obviously were, were, were anywhere near as over as these guys, but they um, still, when, when Brian got the win, that was, he got a great pop for that. But Sting, everything he did, he did about a million press slams on poor Ric Flair. And, but each one of them, the crowd were like, were, were over the moon and just made the viewing experience fantastic. So it was great to see these, these older crowds absolutely loving it. Brilliant. And build number three, Ric Flair in action in textbook heel fashion. Lovely. Jim, what were your Nitro ratings killers? Uh, I reckon we're all going to be in uh, unanimous agreement on this one. <laughs> Killer number one is Pastamania. Oh, yes. So, again, no surprise there. I watched it. I watched it back. <laughs> I turned my TV off and I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about it a few times since. 
And I still don't know what it was. Having a clue. Not a clue. <laughs> Having a clue. Uh, killer number two. I've gone for Steve Mongo McMichael. <laughs> yep. I'm fearing the worst already, like you alluded to, Liam. I'm thinking this could be a disastrous <laughs> appointment. Horror uh, show. The shit, the shit comments. Are you, uh, you didn't mention the dogs. I was quite surprised at that when he had his fucking... Oh, shit, of course. Shit little dog he brought out with him at the end, dressed up. This tiny little pathetic mini pooch that he dresses up in in, in what, a Halloween thing, was yeah, it? Yeah, it was weird kind of Halloween clubber, very, Fuck very prematurely. Um, <laughs> September the 4th. Yeah, strange. <laughs> You're kicking off a new wrestling programme. You're going to go head-to-head with a mighty WWF. Get someone with a bit of wrestling credibility on there to, to, to kind of give your show some fucking respectability about it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Killer number three. I've gone for the, the unveiling of... of uh, Lex Luger, new acquisition, Lex Luger. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> so he's, again, you touched on this. You, you mentioned him, Steve, uh, wearing a meatloaf shirt. I've, I've noted it more as an inspiration for Gangrel coming, <laughs> coming further down the line. It's Gangrel's uncle. It's <laughs> Gangrel's sartorial inspiration. Uh, yeah, he looked like he'd, he'd emerged from one of the shops. I think you said it was the Great Train store. He's come out of there. That's an odd, an odd choice. Yeah. I know. Wouldn't have had him down. He'd been sold away near the food court by like his wife, just disgruntled. <laughs> Hang on, there's a wrestling ring here. Where's the food court? Yeah, yeah out of place. Like he'd, uh, oh, he'd look man. like he'd, he'd come out of the great trade store, sidestepped security, and then just turned up at ringside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shocking. Brilliant stuff. Liam, same question to you. What were your Nitro ratings killers? Okay, to the top of my killers board, you know, no surprise, is Pastamania. Um, <laughs> totally bored all the way through this promo. Um, I'm not buying the fact that you know Hogan's a massive fan of you know Pastor and he, he fuels he fuels himself up before each match on on, on Pastor. I'm not, I'm not buying that for one second, and I just totally love the fact it was so hilarious that the kids just had him off at the end when he, uh, when, he when he asked him the question and he just just didn't sell it at all. Brilliant, sandbagged it, got what he deserved there. So yeah, Pastor Mania was 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 top of the killers board. Uh, yeah. uh, number two, I'm going to go for the Mall of America. <laughs> Um, and I, I think I think it's a I think it's a strange decision to put this opening show oh, it was. inside a shopping centre. Um, it totally devalues this brand as this new you know new and improved version of, of WCW, um, and instantly loses credibility uh, going up against WWF. Yeah, you know it was yeah, bonkers. Yeah. You know there were genuinely people managing like they wanted to get the shopping done, and they were having to. <laughs> Work the way around people think in Hulk, Hulk t-shirts and <laughs> Ric Flair figurines. What were you thinking here? Oh, it was strange. Oh, yeah. So strange for the opening show. Spot and then on. number three, Mongo's got to go on the killer's board. He's a goon, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I already hate him. What <laughs> episode in. What episode in. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he deservedly is, is on the killer's board as well. My killers, I'll... I'll Cut of the chase, they're almost identical. Killer number one is Mongo. I think the, the thing that annoyed me most was he was trying too hard. And as, as a result, it just it, incessant chipping in more than anything wound me up. Like, he's been given a brief, argue with Bobby the Brain. You're the cool, everyone wants to be you guy. <laughs> and Heen's the, the, the bad guy. So And he just had this, like, shit pot shots with Heenan that Heenan would just brush off because he's an absolute, you know, pro. Uh, it was just shit. Killer number two. Pastamania. 
<laughs> it was only it was only slightly <laughs> eked out by Mongo for the top spot here, but shit a brick, this was just diabolical. <laughs> and killer number three, the escalators of doom. Why? Why did we keep seeing people moving around on escalators? Like it just looked so fucking hokey. It was so bad. Ah, oh, criminal. So that was the first ever WCW Monday Nitro on the 4th of September 1995. But now we go to the real first skirmish in the Monday Night Wars. The first time these two shows went head-to-head on the same night. The date is the 11th of September 1995. And now to find out what happened on Raw, Jim, take us through it. Well, we're going to kick off. We're going to kick off with a bit of a SummerSlam recap. <sighs> Yeah, Vince goes long form, discussing the uh, the iconic, what, what proved to be iconic ladder match between uh, Shawn Michaels and yeah, Razor Ramon. Yeah, that was the night before, unbelievable. Yeah, Vince, he, he tells us both participants, in said match, in said ladder match, going to be in action tonight. We've got HBK versus Psycho Sid for the Intercontinental title, while Razor Ramon is going up against the British Bulldog. Nice. Which sounds very good yeah, to me. Stoked for this. Yeah, so then from there, the titles kick in, and they were a bit... Bit naughty, weren't they? The titles. What's this music? <laughs> yeah, terrible. Really bad song. I really like kind it of slowed raw. down. What's this? What are the I lyrics? I like it raw. Mm. Bit odd. Um, <laughs> right, enough of that. We'll we'll we'll, we'll crack on. We'll go, we'll, go, we'll go straight to the arena. The arena north. Yes. God. <laughs> 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 Praise be. No escalators. Not an escalator in sight, exactly. No, there's no none of that. Oh man. So while Razor is strutting down the gangway, we get a shot of an altercation between the bad guy and none other than Dean Douglas. Again, not especially off fair with this guy, but he's nah, stood in front never, of a blackboard. Never heard of him. Uh, Razor's got he's having a bit of a bit of words, a bit of words, a bit of a bit of a disagreement. And Razor has Razor goes to leave. Douglas tries to cheap shot him. Razor then blocks this and decks the Dean. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't hear what Razor was saying, and there was like a ton of teacher gags on comms teams. It appears Dean Douglas is a teacher. Yeah, uh, some eyes, that's the case. Yeah, the blackboard makes perfect sense now. And, um, like he's dragged it to the arena. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one great, this one great. But back in the ring, we've got the Bulldogs on his way. Rule Britannia is blaring out. Sorry, the, sorry uh, Jim, can I really, really interject? When Razor was on his way to the ring, Vince kept just pronouncing it machismo. And I couldn't, I couldn't unhear it. Oh yeah, it's machismo, machismo. No, it's machismo. I <laughs> saw <laughs> so here comes the bulldog. We've got Real Britannia blaring over the uh, the, the sound system in the arena. Nice. And he's got Jim Cornette with him as manager. Love that. Class. Big fan yeah, of uh, Corny. Razor and Bulldog match gets underway. Razor and Bulldog lock up in the centre of the ring. And as they do, Vince McMahon tells us this is the premiere of Raw on Sky Sports. <gasps> what about that? Nice. Oh, monumental. Yeah. The match starts Razor. He dominates the early exchanges. A few arm locks. He's slapping around the helpless Bulldog who he's got incapacitated on the floor. What a humiliation for the heel there. <laughs> it's not long until the Bulldog turns the tables. He hoists Razor up for a vertical suplex and holds him there for a long time before completing the move. That looked very good. That's Superb so strength. Good, yeah. Oh. Superb strength from the British Bulldog. I've not seen much of Bulldog before, but this is... I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see more. Yeah. It's great. I always just remember him being like... In terms of his, his physicality, he was always so like impressive. Oh, if you look at him, yeah. he like even when we look at both wrestlers in the ring here, the the, the physicality on the show from both of them was 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 top notch, wasn't it? 
Both well conditioned, both yeah, well looked after. Cut. Yeah. Inexplicably, Bulldog decides for the first time in his career he's going to nail a move off the top rope. He goes up there. <laughs> yeah, what was this? Oh, <laughs> why, why is a man of that size bothering? What are you he doing? He should have known better. He should have known better. Um, no, your limits, Bulldog. Come on. Anyway, Razor intercepts. He intercepts him, tosses him off the turnbuckle of the mat, then he hits a fallaway slam for a two count. Yeah. After this, we get a ref bump. Bulldog rebounds off the ref and walks into the Razor's edge. Yeah, nice. And then Ramon goes. He goes for the cover. But as he does, the ref's down. And who's this? It's from earlier. It's Dean Douglas. <laughs> It's Dean Douglas, the evil teacher. He comes down, he goes up top, and he gets a really kind of shit-looking forearm-type manoeuvre yeah, to the back bad, of Razor's head. And then to Razor's head, out comes the one, two, three kid, a previous incarnation of X-Pac, of course. Yeah. But Douglas, Douglas makes short work of, of, this, of this young man. Bumps like an absolute <laughs> champ, doesn't he, though, X-Pac here. He, he throws himself around. It's unbelievable. He He's, does, he does yeah, it half. Great, um, great he, stuff. Douglas beats the shit out of him and then casually <laughs> jogs to the back as though nothing's yeah. nothing to bother. <laughs> uh, that's so weird. It was a bit odd, wasn't it? Wow, wow, this is going on there. The bulldog, he gets Razor up, he nails with him a power slam and he goes for a cover of his own. But a kid, he tries to repeat the move he's just seen Douglas do, but he fucks this up a little bit because Bulldog moves out of the way, causing the kid to splash Razor, which the ref sees, of course. The ref's come round now. He yeah. sees the kid come off, splash Razor, yeah. and then he DQs Bulldog. Run, two, free, kid. You're an idiot. <laughs> yes, he is, but that's not how it works, is it? A DQ, like he's there. Bulldog should have got the, the DQ, not Razor, shouldn't he? Because he's attacked. You know what I mean? Like they've, they've DQ'd the wrong person just because he's his mate. It doesn't matter that he's, you know. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's not, you've you've attacked friendship him. should not be yeah. taking yeah, exactly. a muddy in the rules there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah, but the burial of the kid continues as if that wasn't enough because um, oh, bulldog yeah. batters him when he returns to his feet. <laughs> so he's had the shit kicked out of him by Douglas. The shit kicked out of him by bulldog. Cornette even gets a few boots in right on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> he frog splashes his own partner. No, poor, poor yeah. X-Pac. He's not looking great here, is he? It's all round calamity, really, for him. I don't know how he recovered and had a career after this night. No. He looks all of 14 years of age here, yeah. doesn't he? Jesus, yeah, it's it's Just all round poor. And then we go to the break with the two heels. Cornet and Bulldog celebrating, mugging into the crowd. The crowd are booing. And we come back from the break and Vince, he's explaining what's going on. He's trying to fill us in on all the relevant feuds. Kind of, kind of piece everything together for us. As he's doing it, the King's kind of chipping in over him. So uh, Vince has got He's got Razor with him. He's got one, two, three kid with him. And uh, Vince is trying to fill all the gaps. King's chipping in over him. He's disputing everything Vince is saying, but there's no one to argue back with. So he's just kind of arguing it himself. But it was, <laughs> yeah. like, and every single issue, though, so it was kind of like, all right, and then no, no, but at the same time, it was like, no. King, just let us, have, let, us, let us listen for a little bit with you. <laughs> Take a breath, King. Come on, lad. <laughs> did you hear earlier as well, which I did like, you know, when, um, sorry to roll it right back to when Razor was coming out, but. Vince, the one time he actually asked King for his opinion and really wanted it, was about this the the, the NAF promo prior that we just had on the way in and to, to start the show. But he, as soon as he threw it to him, he instantly cut him off because Razor's pyro hit and he wanted everyone to look at it. And he went, so what are you thinking? Never mind that, what about this pyro? What about that pyro? <laughs> He's clearly shelled out on it and wanted people to see. Maybe maybe this was just King getting his revenge later on there. Well, all right then, Vince. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking argue with every single one of your points. <laughs> but anyway, the, the the gist of this, from what King will allow us to hear, is uh, 
the kid tries to defend himself for his idiocy that we've just seen. He has a go at Razor for treating him like a kid. That's almost word for word. I think if you didn't want to be treated like a kid, mate, don't put fucking kid. Don't put kid <laughs> in your name. You, just, you, you talk to me like I'm a number. That's all I am to you. I'm the one, two, three adults. Come on. <laughs> One, two, three, grown man. Oh. Treat me as such. <laughs> oh, what an idiot. What oh, a complete idiot. We learn after this, which baffled me, that the oh, one, two, three kid... It was terrible, this so bad. It was terrible, wasn't it? We learned that the one, two, three oh. kid, he'd beaten Razor in the past. What the hell happened there? Who allowed that? Oh, how did that happen? And then, yeah, in amongst the shocking promo... I mean, how, how young was he then? <laughs> <laughs> He looks 10 now, so as an eight-year-old. six-year-old, you got to win over it. <laughs> yeah, they fought under the jungle gym. There's something, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, oh, man. It ends with Kid challenging Razor to a match next week. Razor accepts, so we've got this stuck forward to. Jesus Christ, the only, the only bit of redemption this entire <laughs> atrocity of a promo was Razor continuing every time he said the word McMahon he pronounced it in his Razor voice McMahon as soon as I heard it that was the only bit that the sounds about the broadband the internet the old internet dial up <laughs> modem <laughs> McMahon <laughs> beep beep <laughs> It is good, it is good, you're right. No, era, era appropriate, fantastic. <laughs> uh, from that, we move on to a tag match between the Smoking Guns, good, and Rad Radford and the Brooklyn Brawler, very bad. Rad Radford? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember Rad Radford, but no. the, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Brawler, was, yeah, he, the Brooklyn he, was, Brawler. he was around for a long time, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was. A uh, bit more on him coming up. Uh, the crowd, the same bigger to the guns, which is good. Yeah, so it's Billy Billy Gun, as in Billy Gun that we all know, I would assume. Yeah. And, the, and Bart Gun. It's part of Bart Gun. Yeah, I don't really think I've seen before. I don't know, you don't know this is where they came from, but you know what I mean. This is. Yeah, yeah well, Bart Gun, they've both got tashes. Bart Gun pulls his off. Billy Gun does not. <laughs> tash on Billy Gun. Although, without the shocking lip turf, which I'd definitely lose if I was him. He does look the proverbial million dollars. Yeah, he does, he does. And the match itself is clearly filler material. Good to see the guns in action. A highlight of it is probably Billy Gunn hitting an outrageous dropkick on the Brooklyn ball. Oh, there. yeah, this was amazing. His whole body is at a perfect right angle with the brawler's head here. So we've got a full, <laughs> full right angle. The, comp, you could, the two of them together are making a full set square here. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be a perfect name for the move. That's great. <laughs> he's, he's hit him with a set square. <laughs> Quick word on the brawler before we move on. All his clothes are like ripped to shreds. <laughs> he's, been, he's been brawling with a tiger or something though, Jim. He doesn't state what he's been brawling with, is it? Something with, something with sharp claws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cast of Oliver Twist would be uh, would dress better than this guy. This is terrible. <laughs> 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 oh. oh, fantastic. Hey, from there, we move, we'll just cut to the end. Uh, the Guns win with a great looking double team where Billy comes flying off the top rope with a leg drop while Bart has got uh, the brawler in the sidewalk slam position. And that's that. That hits, that's that. Good night, Irene. Worth a win, that move. Worth a win. Good cool to see uh, Billy Gunn in the uh, the early years. Yeah, exactly. Very it impressive. Is. Very impressive. Straight in the winner's enclosure. Yeah. Superb. From there, we get a really good promo, yeah? Everybody. 
from none other than Goldust, the yet to debut Goldust. I uh, thought it was superb, very strange, very different. Yep. Very different. A million miles away from uh, the other fucking childish Dean Douglas heel thing game we had going on earlier. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Uh, Vince describes Goldust as bizarre, which seems a fair assessment to me. Yeah, and yeah, from yeah. there, yeah. from there we go on that. to, from what seemed interesting, exciting, and something to look forward to, to Isaac Yankum versus... Scott, the humble jobber, Scott Taylor. Um, we've got Isaac Yankum, who's, of course, the future Kane. This, here he is a dentist. Yeah, this is... Un- I had no idea. What the fuck is this? No wonder he had to hide his face behind a mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any other character? Is that Isaac Yankum? Yeah. He'd killed him. No, no. <laughs> I suppose that is far worse than having your face burnt off or whatever it was Kenny's deal was. <laughs> Maybe he did burn his face off in an attempt to no longer be recognised as Isaac Yankum DDS. Just torched his own face. Um, yeah, he enters Isaac Yankum carrying his full dentist kit, which he, which he doesn't use at any point of the match, uh, but he <laughs> brings it out with him. Um, he, he follows a, a plug for Skittles, the show sponsor. I bet, I bet Skittles were really pleased that the guy who fixes, repairs the damage that Skittles have done to youngsters' teeth. Clever. Follows his <laughs> fucking entrance. Oh, very anyway, good. very good. On we shall move. Yeah, um, yeah. As you quite rightly mentioned, um, Kane Glenn Jacobs has done exceptionally well to recover from this attempt to sandbag his entire career. Superb stuff for him to get back from this. I don't understand. Is the is the kind of so okay? He brings his dentistry bag to the ring. Right, fine. Right, in case because uh, an opportunity might present itself, he can use it as a weapon. But he's wearing dentist's clothes. Scrubs, yep. Yeah. He's got scrubs. scrubs on. But only the bottoms, right? He's got his scrubs on at the bottom and then he's taking his top off. If he's gone to that, like, why wouldn't you just wear wrestling clobber? Like, just get changed. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Get changed you're in the locker room yeah. if you've changed I mean, one half. Yeah. And you're not telling me that that is hygienic, that you wrestle in your scrubs and then pop off to the surgery. Like, you know what I mean? It's all sweaty, you know? Just, no, come on, mate. Ludicrous. Nice poor, isn't it? It's really poor. Um, so for that, I'm just going to brush over this match by saying... Uh, Yankum, yes. uh, who's absolutely, to be fair to him, he's absolutely stacked. And well, he, he looks incredibly here, Kane. He, he, he does demolish the, the hapless Scott Taylor in, in no time at all. As he's doing it, uh, the comms, the lads on comms are liberally slathering on the dentist puns, giving us an insight <laughs> into why they chose to almost ruin the wrestling career of Glenn Jacobs. <laughs> that is the only reason he's a dentist, you're right. Shit comedy. Puns galore. Uh, yeah, Yankum, speaking of puns galore, Yankum is finished. It's a DDT. Uh, they call it a DDS. And Google told me this is the qualification you get when you're a dentist in America. I see. Uh, he wins with that. And Yankum's music then plays to see us out. Oh. I say music, this is a, a dentist drill. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> the noise of a dentist drill. Yeah, it just sums it all up, doesn't it? <laughs> just, just to, it, it, does, it really does leave me dead right. D- uh, did we all clock who Scott Taylor was a young incarnation of? I didn't, I missed this. I was uh, so focused on what was going on with the future Kane. I mean, I don't blame you for this. And it doesn't look like we know him if from people of our generation. But it's only Scotty Too Hotty. It's a young Scotty Too Hotty. Scotty Too Hotty. He didn't get a chance to hit the worm on Isaac Yankum. No worm on Yankum. Mullet and singlet, you know, multicoloured singlet and all. This is a young Scotty Too Hotty. I mean, he does again, much like Kane, very well from himself. (laughs) To recover from this mess. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the dentist drill sees us off, but the dentist drill is nowhere near the most irritating noise we hear on the programme tonight, because up next, everybody, is Todd Pettingill. 
Todd Pettengill I've never encountered before in my life and it definitely did not improve it in any way having seen him <laughs> um, according to Vince Todd Pettengill is going to tell us what is happening in your house like, I don't need to know this you know, it's credit they're telling what's going on in my house Vince I've got a fairly good idea already um, why, why can Todd see what's happening in my gaff <laughs> oh, fine. where's my house my house Vince <laughs> But yeah, this was fucking offensive. Oh, um, it's terrible, wasn't it? Todd, he refers to himself as the Toddster, and he refers to us as dudes and dudettes. Clearly, he's got all the patter. Um, the Toddster. It turns out In Your House <laughs> is a series of pay-per-views to do. This one's coming up in a few weeks. Again, yeah. we're learning things all on a, a voyage of discovery here. We're learning all these things. This is it. Todd Pettengill, In Your House pay-per-views. Um, the main event of said pay-per-view is going to be a Diesel. WWF champion Diesel. Oh, I'm sure we're going to see a lot yeah, of nice. him in the coming weeks. And he's going to be teaming up, tag team partner of Shawn Michaels, HBK. So the two the two main championships of the WWF and the Intercontinental are teaming up to go against Owen Hart and Yokozuna, who are the tag team champions. Todd right. Pettengill tells us it's a triple header, which means whoever gets pinned will lose their belts. Oh, so if right. HBK oh, pins okay. Owen Hart, nice. then Diesel and HBK become the tag team champions um, confusing but nice idea like it we move on to the main event of the show today which is Psycho Sid versus HBK for said Intercontinental Championship Sid's out first yep. he's got a rip off of the famous music from Psycho for his entrance yeah. the shower scene I mean this this gimmick doesn't work in 2020 does it this is this is unbelievably insensitive and it is not okay mocking his mental health <laughs> exactly yeah that's that's the gimmick <laughs> that's the gimmick isn't it oh bad really bad yeah. didn't wouldn't like work this. wouldn't work in the stadium while we're being introduced to him let's just uh, have a brief moment to chat about a guy called Barry Dijinsky who is selling us things <laughs> yeah, he's got this? things to sell <laughs> I didn't know they did this on Raw sold no, things this is it <laughs> I mean he's picked the perfect time just before the main event yeah, he's got his <laughs> he's got his placement perfect as he Barry. doesn't seem at all perturbed he stood right next to Psycho so he doesn't seem at all perturbed <laughs> given that this guy <laughs> yeah this is casting doubt on the hall is he really a psychopath because uh, yeah unbelievable Dijinsky Barry Dijinsky he is sent us the accessories the accessories to Shawn Michaels outfit he's got a village people type <laughs> Zebra print hat described as 100% pleather, as if that's a selling <laughs> point. You would leave the material out if it was a shit material, <laughs> exactly. wouldn't you? We've made this from 100% human shit. Yeah. <laughs> this jacket. Do you, want, do you want to buy this jacket? No, I don't. You won't find another material on it. It's all human shit. Mechanically <laughs> recovered material. <laughs> Why would you bring that in? Strange. <laughs> Terrible salesman they've got here bringing this out. As if this wasn't offensive enough, though, uh, Dijinsky has then got the fucking nerve to say, that's not all you get for $25 plus P&P. $25? absolute having your eyes out in 1995. Yeah. The oh, nerves are the wonder he wasn't scared of fucking Psycho Sid when he was going to come out with this line next. <laughs> you get, in addition to the app, you get Shawn Michaels' pink sunglasses. Um <laughs> Heart-shaped pink sunglasses. This is dross. Imagine. Where would you ever wear these <laughs> these two items? Like, imagine just walking down the beach. Some fella there sat with a pleather hat on the, uh, the heart-shaped sunglasses. Heart it just glasses. wouldn't work, would it? That's, it's not happening. Best case scenario, unless you are a bodybuilder, is that someone goes, whoa, Shawn Michaels has let himself go. Like, <laughs> that's, that's best case scenario with owning this attire. Oh, Unbelievable. Fucking. 
Absolutely pony. Uh, we cut back from there to uh, Vince. Vince makes a fuss about what a great deal it is, and <laughs> <laughs> and then holy fucking hell, what have we got now? We're going oh. back to the locker room. Shawn Michaels comes out there from his his dwelling, and Jesus Christ, what is he wearing? Um, <laughs> it's, it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> He's in full bondage oh, gear. He is on a program where the heels. Are these terribly comedy cartoon stereotypes? Um, clearly designed for a younger audience. <laughs> yeah. Clearly designed with small children in mind. Here we have a man clad as though he's making his way to the ring straight from a sex dungeon. <laughs> he's, yeah. he, he's, he's top. He's like he's got this dog collar thing on with full length <laughs> sleeves. It's all zebra print. I hastened to add. Yeah. Uh, the front of this has been cut out, so we see his full torso. So he's got the sleeves and collar, but no torso. Then is he? Is he a stripper? I'm, I, <laughs> so it looks I don't like. Know. I mean, I've never been in a sex dungeon, but I imagine it is. It is chock I think full of pleather. I think he's yeah. He's managed to say the safe word, and then he's been able to get out of this dungeon. <laughs> he's, been, he's been able to get out the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> and gone straight straight to the arena because that's the only reason that, that he would put this Mongo, uh, this, Mongo, Mongo, this, Mongo <laughs> yeah, He put this clobber together because it was heinous, wasn't it? Really was, Jesus Terrible. Christ uh, Yeah, he goes down to the ring he takes the hats off fucking uh, Dijinsky he takes the hat off Dijinsky wears it into the ring Jesus Christ and then Oh, terrible That's how we, we lead into the main event, everybody um, <sighs> The match begins. Let's just let's get on with the match. We'll talk about the rest and never mind what he's wearing. And the, the match starts. We've got Shawn Michaels. He, he's running rings around Sid. He's making him look like a real jackass. Um, completely dominating the early exchanges. And we get a spot where Sid thinks he's flung Michaels over the top rope, but HBK kind of clings on that classic Shawn Michaels spot where he clings up the top and holds himself back up, skin pulls of the cat. himself back into the ring. Yeah, skin of the cat. There That's you go. It. Lovely. Sid's back is turned at this point, and Michaels drop kicks him. And, and he goes flying out of the ring, does Sid. Vince, who is the most excited of anybody in the building at this stage, tells us, Shawn Michaels is bringing down the house. <laughs> he, did, he did go nuclear, yeah, didn't he? He, he did. climaxed, didn't he, though? He <laughs> wasn't the one who cared. <laughs> He's been in the sex dungeon. <laughs> yeah, he knows oh. a safe word. Heaven forbid, let's not talk about that. Sid, <laughs> Sid then, after this, the ignominy of this, Sid... Uh, takes over when we get a prolonged heat spot where a 300 pounder slows things down, oh, gets his breath back, and dominates shit, HBK yeah, it's really with his superior bit. physicality. Yeah. Um, I've gone all dizzy after my Vince impression there. <laughs> it's hard, Sid, isn't it? It's really, really fucking hard. It's that nonstop. Sid's gimmick, as we've said, having serious mental health issues. Again, this appears to be somewhat undermined by his willingness to comply with the rules and regulations of a, you know, standard wrestling match here. <laughs> yeah, it's sick. Don't get it. Don't get it at all. Um, yeah, he, he's dominating for a long time, really slows it down. Michaels then tries to come back, but Sid cuts him off with a one handed chokeslam. King is elated with this. He starts singing, We've got a new champion over I like this. Again. Yeah, I like yeah. this. We've got a new champion. Classic Lola. Nice touch from King. Um, Sid then goes for a power bomb to win it. Oh, you might have gone for the chokeslam. The other people tend to do that, Sid, but you know, <laughs> do your own thing. <laughs> Be it far from me to tell you. Michaels, he reverses this though into a back body drop and then fires up for the main comeback. We get this awkward finish from there where. Where Sid kicks out of a flying crossbody, and then from that he gets straight back up, and Michaels hits him with three unheralded. So he does no tuning up with the band or anything. He just hits him with three unheralded super kicks, and he gets the cover for the win. The three super kicks, one one hit him in about the shoulder. The yeah, other they one, weren't great, were they? Yeah, two yeah, about the messy, face. Wasn't he? Sid, I like bend over a little bit as well. Yeah. Get hit, it looked like. Um, yeah, but this this sends the crowd and mainly Vince McMahon <laughs> into raptures. <laughs> 
there's five minutes of TV time left, bizarrely, though, given that this is taped, so I don't know how they've managed this. We then have to watch HBK's post-match celebrations. Oh, man. This was oh. odd. Very, very odd. He does this <laughs> yeah. bit where he's kind of threatening to remove all his gear going yeah. back to his... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I was fearing for the Hampton coming out here. Big time. <laughs> It, there was, he fully suggested he was going to do it at one point, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It was, was, was millimetres. Oh, no. <laughs> I was worrying for a, for a split second. After threatening, after nearly scarring us all for life, he, he goes to the back to Shawn Michaels and we get a bit of an advert from, for, sorry, for the In Your House pay-per-view and then we get an interview with Shawn Michaels. He joins Diesel in the back with uh, Doc Hendricks. Bit of a non-event this one. Michaels is shouting about how great he is. Diesel's not really getting a look in. And when Diesel does get a look in, he says, we're not just two dudes with attitude. We're two chaps with all the straps. And I was thinking you probably should have just left that to HBK, Diesel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thanks for that, Diesel. We're all done for the night. <laughs> what a way to send us out. So that was the 11th of September 1995 edition of Monday Night Raw. And now for our ratings builders and killers. Liam, kick us off. What were your Raw ratings builders? Builder number one for Raw this week. Uh, I'm going for Razor Ramon. Um, even 25 years on, um, I still love the uh, love the entrance music, love the whole gimmick, the swagger, the, uh, the toothpick. The machismo. Uh, the, yeah, the machismo, the um, the in-ring ability is is su- sublime. Uh, the, the, to be fair, the match was great as well. Um, giving give credit to uh, to the British Bulldog as well, but yeah, Razor Ramon still, as I say, he's he's, he's lasted the uh, the test of time. Yeah, builder number two, I'm gonna go Jim Cornette. Um, I mean, cracking heel, you know, just as I remember, um, generating so much heat from the crowd. Looking forward to seeing more of Jim Cornette, and then builder number three. Quite similar to what I mentioned with the Nitro promo, so it was a, mm-hmm. a tease for next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was impressed with the Goldust promo. Um, yeah, oh yeah, a little bit off the cuff, totally different. Um, really enjoyed Goldust's character, you know, through the Attitude Era. So it'll be good to see how it starts. Wonderful stuff. My builder number one for Raw was Vince on comms. He is sheer comedy, and his ability to make an arm drag sound like someone's coming off the top of a cell is something to be all <laughs> loved it build number two allow me this lads but the set looks great like full nostalgia hit that i really just i uh, like the old nine by nine screens showing the wrestler in rings reactions when someone's at the top of the ramp and stuff just class just loved being there and i don't know maybe it's a hang up from being in a fucking shopping mall last week but this this looks just great happy to be here in this kind of you know uh, throwback setting. Excited to see how this morphs into the raw that we knew growing up. And builder number three, HBK in action. He's genuinely cracking in the ring. It's a treat to see him here in his prime, and I'm really excited. Bizarre sex dungeon get up, notwithstanding, to see what else we get out of HBK as he continues his rise to the the, the top echelons of the WWF. Jim, what were your raw ratings builders? Build number one is Razor Ramon v the British Bulldog. So uh, two iconic 90s wrestlers who I hadn't previously seen too much of. Uh, I really enjoyed the match. And yeah, yeah again, seeing them in action was great. Uh, Building number two, 
uh, I quite like the, the, the chaos, the action at the end of uh, the Razor Bulldog match. Mm. So, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, granted, it buried the one, two, three kid, and there's <laughs> logically a few holes to poke in what happened as well. But uh, I thought you got good heat on the heels, and it was kind of put together quite well. So, you, you know, there, there wasn't an element of amateurishness in that sense. It's kind of everything kind of happened in a kind of good order, and yeah, yeah, yeah just kind of created some entertaining. Entertaining TV, which is what we're all about, of course. Same and years. builder number three, as just like you, Liam, uh, the Goldust promo, I thought stood out for me as something really good, different, interesting, and would like to see more of this. Oh, I cannot wait. Cannot wait for Goldust to arrive. Fantastic stuff. So over to our ratings killers. What are the things that are going to make us not want to tune in next time? Liam, what were your raw ratings killers? Killers uh, for me this week, number one, I'm going to go... On the mic, the one, two, three kid. Um, shocking. So wooden. Diabolical. Killer number two, uh, I'm going to go Isaac Yankum. Um, this already doesn't feel like a good gimmick. From, from, from the first episode, you know, no. I can totally see from first glance why um, it didn't last long and we, we, we got Kane further down the line. Yeah. Killer number three, I've gone for Todd Pettengill, the Toddster. Um, ju- just, you know, thinking he's like really cool and, and down with the kids. Um, and after the opening dudes and dudette, dudettes line oh, oh, just... I closed my eyes and took a deep sigh and just you know <laughs> wanted it to end so yeah he, he made he made the killers board for, for, for that that short segment it was painful you cannot argue with that fantastic stuff uh, so my ratings killers for all were killer number one the one two three kid and Vince promo I, I'll, I can't add anything to what you just said Liam just without saying GCSE drama acting and, and not good stuff terrible killer number two Psycho Sid this gimmick just it felt just so awful in 2020 and I know uh, that he's you know he seemed not even particularly good in the ring but that wasn't me gripe with it just I do not see the appeal of this character at all in any way as a heel like it just it just felt awful it's go away heat at the best of times like what the hell are you doing here you've got a great big bloke all right seems fairly limited do something better with him than this this is this is tragic and killer number three the raw titles music I mean wow this was brought into sharp focus by the you know nitro intro that just really made me like super super excited to see what was going on here this did the opposite i was i was properly taken aback by how naff this was jesus wept this felt out of date by a solid decade terrible jim what were your raw ratings killers killer number one is a uh, is, is Shawn michael so i'm not going to dispute the, the man's quality in the ring I'm not going to dispute it for a second because that would be foolish. But as uh, the top baby face on this program, I do not understand. He's a male stripper on a show that otherwise seems to be aimed almost entirely at children. So how does he fit? How does he fit in his gear? The way he acts, we're just, we're just aeons away from Stone Cold Steve Austin here, aren't we? Oh, we really are. Yeah, can't argue with that. <laughs> um, killer number two is shite cartoon heels a dentist <laughs> and a teacher among the main forces of evil on this programme I think oh, that needs addressing yeah. rapid an evil and, teacher unbelievable and uh, killer number three that sketch where I try to sell us the hat behave <laughs> behave doing stuff like that that's awful <laughs> 
So that was Raw's opening shot of the Monday Night Wars, and now to find out what Nitro had to respond. Liam, take us through the 11th of September 1995 edition of WCW Monday Nitro. Episode 2 of WCW Nitro, and you'll be glad to hear that we are actually back in a proper arena. We are in the James L. Knight Centre in Miami, Florida. There's not an escalator in sight <laughs> or a tr- train store or a Toys R Us. It's already a fantastic start to Nitro. So well done, Eric Bischoff. Um, Bischoff opens the show with the statements. It doesn't get any better than live, okay? And then throws out the claim that you're going to see the match of the century on tonight's show. I mean, whereas Hulk Hogan takes on Lex Luger. So hopefully we won't be disappointed. I I cannot imagine we will be. (laughs) I mean, he's setting himself up to fail with that statement. Um, Mongo chips in at this point, starts spouting some, some nonsense about um, it's the biggest thing to hit TV since the little old lady said, where's the beef? So if you can translate (laughs) that for me, I'd be, you know, very much appreciative of that. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks for that, Mongo. We we then get a recap. We get a recap of last week's episode. So we're back to the Mall of America almost instantly. And we are treated to the altercation that took place right at the very end of the show between Hulk and Lex Luger. We get that gem of a line from Lex Luger that he's sick and tired of playing around with kids. (laughs) Why would you do it? Yeah, you think you keep keep that to yourself, Lex. (laughs) I know. Don't show it on a replay the following week. (laughs) Yeah, it was unbelievable, yeah. Um, And then we get um, Hogan, obviously, you know, responding to this, where then he breaks the record for the amount of times he can say brother in one (laughs) sentence. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Then uh, Eric Bischoff, he uh, he, he, uh, reminds us that um, Vader, who we have seen on the titles, you know, on both weeks, um, he's gone AWOL, okay? He's so easy. He, he can't find him. I mean, um, he's a big lad as well. It can't yeah, be hard to I mean. find Vader. It yeah. can't be. <laughs> but apparently, he's, he's not filed the necessary documentation and therefore can't compete at the upcoming pay-per-view. What documentation? You've got to file documentation to compete at pay-per-views. Well, I'm not having this. They're not leaving the country, are they? So. <laughs> this is it. So straight away, Eric Bischoff, stop treating us like idiots. <laughs> yeah. But then we are we treated to the first match. We've got Sabu. We've got the debut of Sabu. Nice. Uh, going up against Alex Wright, Das Vunderkind. Sabu comes out first. He's making his debut, as we've just said. He's, he hails from Bombay, India, lads. So remember that for later on in this match. Understood. <laughs> and apparently he's been suspended from 17 different countries. And we are not sure if that is wrestling related. But it just <laughs> comes off. The... Wanted by Interpol. So who knows? <laughs> Could be up to all kinds of shenanigans. We're not told. So Alex Wright, we get the uh, the entrance from Alex Wright, Das Wunderkind, um, who comes out wearing just a leather jacket with his trunks. Very odd combination. Um, and listening to his entrance theme, I'm instantly getting the vibe that he's a college student that's taken a gap year in Europe. He's fallen in love with a techno scene in Germany and finally managed to reinvent himself. <laughs> Because why else would you come out to this music, changing your name to what you have done? Outrageous. But apparently uh, we find out that he, he, he's defeated uh, Diamond Dallas Page on the, uh, the show previously. I think oh, wow. it was a weekend show. I missed that. So I was surprised at that, but good to enhance his profile a little bit. Obviously, Diamond Dallas Page, well, you know, well known in the, uh, the wrestling right. scene. So, so well Has Alex Wright won one match against the odds and now that's where he's got the Das Wunderkin moniker from? Right, he's Das Wunderkin, he beat DDP once. 
the winner the, the winner of that match gets the reward of, of taking on Sabu apparently uh, Steve that's the uh, <laughs> okay that's the reward for for that that was the, no title shot you, you just get to fight Sabu <laughs> so we're, we're underway and we can only be 20 seconds into this contest before we see our first aerial manoeuvre from Sabu <laughs> using the middle rope straight away to deliver a flying back elbow which looked a little bit messy, but uh, you know, not, not surprised by this straight away from Sabu. Nice, no, straight um, into it, straight into it. Not yeah, yeah, that. straight into it. We we then get some you know flying head head scissors to to Alex Wright from Sabu again. Takes them both out the ring, uh, which then leads to Sabu using a chair to, to to fly into a railing. Total disregard for his own body. And as as the camera pans into um, Sabu, we we get a, a look of all the scars that cover his body. Oh Jesus! And it's, it's no surprise. Don't we? You know, from Fuck. the opening 30 seconds, it's no surprise that, you know, how his body looks at the moment. Like I said, total disregard for his safety, for his own safety. <laughs> um, but Alex Wright, he does keep up with him really well, you know, matching yeah. him, you know, blow for blow with aerial manoeuvres. He hits a nice flying drop kick from the top turnbuckle, a nice pop from the crowd. He follows this up with a splash from the ropes that hits Sabu to the outside. Um, so I've been quite impressed too with with Alex Wright's uh, ability to keep up here with this with this legend we have in Sabu. Um, they both go up top onto the top turnbuckle. Hits the hitter. Alex Wright hits a, a vertical suplex. Gets an amazing pop from the crowd. Good bump from both wrestlers. Um, and they, and they, this match kind of takes that 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 kind of same same format then for the rest. You know, just aerial maneuver after aerial maneuver. <laughs> yeah. um, we get a line from Bobby Heenan. What's what's Sabu going to do now? He's he, you know he's he's been in and out of the ring constantly throughout the match. Um, and. Eric Bischoff then then suggests that he, he, he should go and, and go and try and use the uh, the Arabian moon salt, <laughs> or maybe the Arabian face buster. <laughs> so you do remember where we said he, 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 he you know originates from Bombay, so, India. Some, yeah. some casual racial ignorance from <laughs> Eric Bischoff <laughs> straight away, suggesting that he should hit the He's Arabian moon salt. Two moves, both of which are Arabian. The only things he knows the, the, the Arabian snap bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good job we didn't go for that. <laughs> He's in with an Arabian <laughs> forearm. That bastard. Shocking, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> shocking for Eric Bischoff. Anyway, we uh, we we get to the finish. Uh, Sabu hits a very messy somersault from the top rope. Could have been an Arabian somersault. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I didn't get any clarification from Eric Bischoff. Um, but from this, we get uh, the, the one, two, three pin counts from from Sabu. So Sabu on debut, claiming on debut. claiming the first victory. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not it then from Sabu. Um, you know, you you think he you think he'd get out of the ring and go and have a beer in the back, celebrate his his debut victory. But no, no. He uh, then proceeds to, to to take Alex Wright out of the ring, manages to find a table which has been conveniently left yeah, at the, really side, close of, by. At the yeah. side of the railing, right next to the crowd. You know, <laughs> why is it though? Uh, he places Alex Wright on it, then hits again, a very sloppy, he must be he's probably getting tired at this point, the amount of aerial manoeuvres he's, he's hit. Um, but then, yeah, some kind of, I don't know what it was, like a drop kick kind of splash. It was messy. He was um, one, but then chucked yeah, himself. Yeah. Hit, hit Alex Wright on this table, and then this leads to a uh, disqualification. <laughs> Apparently, after the so, match, yeah, so after match the match is finished. Yeah, yeah so no I didn't, sense. I didn't, under, I didn't understand this no, at all. You um, me that. Yeah, we we know how bonkers Sabu is. This this was going to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's get his victory's been taken away from uh, by the referee disqualification after 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 the match. Quite impressed though with both of them. To be fair, I thought it was a good opener to the uh, to the card. Uh, fair play to both. Just didn't like the finish. Um, we then get a, a promo from uh, Mean Gene. He's with uh, with Ric Flair in the ring. 
Um, he's asking him about the upcoming uh, contest at Fall Brawl between Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Um, as per usual, we get a very animated, uh, you know, spiel from Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah, he's great. But but then he's he's interrupted by none other than Lex Luger, which I was was very surprised at. You know, if anyone's going to interrupt this, you, you'd think it was Arn Anderson. But well, no, sure. yeah. <laughs> nowhere to be seen. Lex Luger's on his way to the ring, and then it, we we get quite a a weird segment then because. The admiration for Rick from Rick Flair for Lex Luger is 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 very bizarre. You know, he, he gives us a nice breakdown of Lex Luger's personal profile. He tells us he's six foot five, he's two hundred and seventy five pounds, he's got twenty two inch arms, he's got sixty inch chest. Hang on, Rick. What? How do you know this? Been up for a suit. You've been, ta- <laughs> yeah. You've been taking measurements in the locker room here, uh, uh, Rick. What's going on? But to be fair, if if Lex Luger was to go missing that night, you know, the Ric Flair is given is <laughs> given the authorities, you know, a good starting block to to, 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 to go uh, with. It's a perfect, yeah, identical drawing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very detailed, on. very detailed personal description there from Ric Flair. So well done for that. Roughly, um, how high was he? Fuck that! I've got a lot more. His biceps were twenty three. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I love. Uh, Flair refers to uh, Lex Luger at one point as as package. He says to him like, right. <laughs> Right package. <laughs> uh, I mean, what a nickname that is. Yeah, it got me thinking about how, how, how interesting it must be when uh, Lex Luger is waiting a delivery from FedEx because <laughs> we've got... Um, package for package. <laughs> package for package. Hang on, package. We've got a package here for you, mate. So, oh yeah. FedEx bizarre. Luger. FedEx <laughs> Luger. Shoot <Yeah>. yeah. <laughs> Bizarre, bizarre from Rick Flo. Um, oh, it was weird. But not, nonetheless, entertaining as, as it always is with, uh, with Rick Flo. We're leading into to match two. We've got Sting. We've got the Scorpion uh, going up against VK Wall Street. Um, for some reason, they, they tell us he, you know, he, he, he does hail from Wall Street. So that well-known residential area in New York, Wall Street. So that's, that's happened. <laughs> what are um, the odds? I mean, there's nominative yeah. determinism, and then there's nominative determinism. Like this bloke is yeah. is a Wall Street financial honcho who hails from Wall Street. Fuck me, you couldn't write it. Yeah, we get we get that he you know he, he works on Wall Street. That'll do. You don't have to go the whole hog, do you? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so so VK Wall Street. He comes out. He's you know like you've mentioned um, earlier on. He he does look a very obvious rip off of you know Ted DiBiase slash with uh, Vince McMahon. So. Very close to gimmick infringement there from WCW. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sting's music hits. Uh, we get the you know the naughty lyrics once more. Um, he, he enters wearing bright green tights this time. He's a bright green scorpion this time. <laughs> Matched with bright green face paint. I'm thinking to myself here, this is this is a million miles away from the sulky goth character that I remember, you know, just knocking about with the pigeons in the rafters on WCW <laughs> later on. Absolutely million miles away from that character, which is, it's good to see, to be honest. You know, we've mentioned it earlier on. You know, he, he is coming across as very likeable at the moment. Uh, crowd pops to this. Oh, Sting it. is screaming, you know, as he does to the crowd. They're loving this. The famous Scorpion Howl. Yeah, the Scorpion Howl, you know. Notorious Scorpion Howl. He's, he's, he's chucking that out straight away. You only hear them, you're out in the desert. <laughs> Handy so you don't step on them, you know. The, the, yeah. Yeah. We're underway. We get some fantastic shots from Sting straight away to uh, to Wall Street's jaw. Sounded really good. Yeah, you know, it sounded is. brutal. It Looked is. very good as well. Um, he delivers a really fierce Irish whip. Um, Wall Street and he leaves the ring, slows it down a little bit, like you would do, as obviously Sting has, has, has got off to a flyer. Uh, back in the ring, Sting tries, he tries a jumping clothesline over the ropes, 
botches this his back legs hit the hit the, hit the rope so he kind of like starts to fall <laughs> kamikaze style <laughs> yeah. didn't look clean you know no, didn't. it looked awful um Wall Street manages to catch him. Uh, he goes for a scoop slam. Sting reverses this into a sunset flip. We get a close two count here. Uh, Sting gets then Wall Street up, flies him into the turnbuckle, mm. goes with the the uh, the head counts, you know, the 10 head counts yeah. into the turnbuckle. Which the crowd fucking love, yeah. by the way. They, they still love this, this don't you? Yeah, the crowd still love this, this this punching or, you know, <laughs> what if head back into the town. Yeah. Do something yeah. 10 times and they absolutely <laughs> love it. It's yeah, crazy. They, they, they're going mental for this. Um, so we're getting close to the finish here. Sting, Sting again, he delivers a, a, another fierce Irish whip into the corner. Wall Street bounces into the corner. He delivers the Stinger splash. Uh, Wall Street hits the, hits the canvas. Uh, Sting goes up top. And then he, you've got Heenan shouting here from comms that, you know, he's behind you, Wall Street, turn, don't turn around kind of thing. <laughs> you know, I love, yeah, I love that. Sting delivers the splash from the top rope. Uh, the referee counts the one, two, three, and we're out. Sting uh, with an impressive victory. You know, we we said it. Uh, fair play to him. Um, been thoroughly entertained again. Two good matches in two weeks. So well done to the Stinger. Uh, we've got we've got Scott Norton and uh, Macho Man. Amazing, um, amazing. Obviously, you know, we've we've got this spilling over from last week where things got heated at the side of the uh, the comms table. So he signed his contract uh, now, has he? Apparently. Apparently so, yeah, that's been done. You know, that's all stickler for the old uh, the crossing the T's, dotting the I's, isn't he? The red tape. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Vera's not done his paperwork, no, that's inside his contract. <laughs> Such a stickler. But uh, my me, me first, me first thought here is Scott Norton, you know, so impressive. He looks so hefty, you know, so uh, physical. Yeah, so so physical. Oh, I've not heard yeah. of him before. He's yeah, I haven't either. Yeah, same, same. So he does look the part. Hopefully, you know we, we we get to see if he fulfills that you know that physicality, um, and we obviously we get Macho as we always do with, with the tassels and brilliant, the, uh, brilliant. the cowboy hat, the shades. You love know, love Macho. I am so in awesome. Yeah, um, and as we said, you know he he kind of like he kind of you know he looks like he's come from you know another decade, but yeah. he kind of gets away with it because he's he's, he's, he he's entertaining, he's funny with it as well, isn't he? Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. yeah. I don't mind Macho. Fair play to Macho. No, he does he so does commit to the character, doesn't he? Massive. Um, yeah. But yeah, we we start off. Norton is dominating the uh, early on. You know he's hitting a lot of powerful. Uh, it's a powerful clothesline. Mm-hmm. Um, he holds a uh, match win like a really impressive choke which he then slams him down. Yeah, that looks um, awesome. Awesome. You know, further demonstrating into the crowd and the viewers of this physical prowess that he does possess yeah I'll tell you um, what I loved as well he did a bear hug as an actual move so rather than a fucking boar fest submission hold he did it as like a and then you know what I mean like it was yeah, a move yeah, rather than yeah. this thing brilliant as you would great damage his back move on awesome Doesn't, even though he's a big guy he didn't slow down the tempo exactly, of the, of the yeah, match perfect, yeah yeah it perfect. made sense didn't it so after that, uh, Macho he starts to make a comeback. Then he uh, delivers a nice, nice hip toss to uh, to Norton, which which he sells quite well, really, for a big guy. Yeah. He does he does provide a good bump from that, um, which they, he, he then rolls out to the ring. Uh, Macho goes up top and then hits a nice double axe handle from the top turnbuckle. Yeah, great. Norton is showering Macho with these really physical manoeuvres. Bischoff then on commentary, tries to convince us that Macho Man has broken his back as he hasn't moved his lower extremities. To which then Macho Man starts to crawl around and then get up back on his feet. (laughs) Stop lying to us, Eric Bischoff. Bischoff also told us 
that Norton's crippled a lot of people in Japan, which, which struck me as odd. What? There's a lot of there's a lot of people crippled in Japan thanks to Scott Norton. I missed that. I've got to get Interpol involved again. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Apparently, he's been going around Japan uh, incapacitating people. <laughs> what a bastard! It's amazing how Eric Bischoff thinks like we can't actually see what's going on. You know, I, know <laughs> it's I know you're close as the action, Eric, but you know, yeah, but come on. we can see what is going on. So, yeah, we're not buying this broken back from... Uh... Wait, so you said if I went to Japan, I wouldn't see a lot of people in wheelchairs. So I'd, I'd get that wheelchair. It's Scott Norton uh, yeah. did that bear rug move on me. Yeah. We then get um, a nicely uh, delivered DDT from Norton. He picks uh, mm. Macho Man mm-hmm. from the outside of the ring, DDTs him then in, into the ring. And it was at this moment... He makes the bizarre decision to go to the top turnbuckle. Um, yeah, Jesus. I mean, I, I was I was puzzled at this because I'm not expecting a swanton bomb from Scott Norton at this point. He's displayed really powerful, you know, mass yeah. manoeuvres. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, he goes up top, and then Macho Man decides that this is his opportunity to take action and then he, he he reverses this flying clothesline into I think it was a brain buster at the time or a DDT I'm not too sure it looked a bit messy this allows the uh, the momentum in the match to, to, to shift again Macho takes command uh, and he's taking his opportunity to land some jabs to Scott Norton yeah. okay but it's at this moment in time we have some movement in the outside of the ring and then we get a six foot plus man dressed as a great white <laughs> making his way to the ring and another wrestler who uh, who is we know he's Kamala. We we you know we still haven't been introduced to the correct names no, of this 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 said Great White character, <laughs> but we'll call him the Great White. Okay, so the Great White Shark yeah. is in the ring. We've got Kamala in the ring, and Bobby Heenan correctly informs us that this is the Dungeon of Doom, and they have arrived to take action. Why they're doing this, Ugh. I do not know. No, no idea. It's not no explained. It's dreadful, isn't it? It's terrible. It's, it's terrible. We're having a cracking match. I was, I was exactly. I, I, yeah, I thought this was by far the best match in the card. We then get probably the worst finish to a wrestling match <laughs> that I can think of. It's hideous. It's terrible. <laughs> if you can think of a worse finish than this gubbins, then please tweet us at. <laughs> TMN scores. That's at TMN scores. And I'd be really interested if you can find a more despicable finish <laughs> to a wrestling oh, yes. contest. Um, so what what we get is Scott Norton is is thrown into the ropes. He, he collides with the shark. <laughs> no more Jesus. than a collision. No more than a collision, which then results in this shark character being knocked out and falling un- unconscious onto oh, the lower God. half of God. Scott Norton. He's got stuck under the shark. Yeah, he's, he's stuck underneath the shark. Um, so, so uh, like you would do, Macho Man takes this this opportunity to, to go up top, go yeah, to the top turn, turnbuckle, yeah. hits the driving elbow nice and clean, um, and then the referee counts the, uh, the one, two, three, and then we get this heinous finish to what has been a fantastic spectacle oh what a shame what a but shame what, what, what my gripe is with this with this finish right the referee can see that the shark is impeding Scott Norton from kicking out so he so he didn't hesitate earlier on to, to DQ Sabu yeah so, after so the just, match so just stop it and say hang on you've got you've got a massive fat guy on your lower half <laughs> Like that's not that's that's an unfair advantage here. Of course I just it is. didn't get it. It's bonkers, wasn't it? It was absolutely oh, bonkers. Didn't. And like you, it just spoiled the it spoiled the match for me. Anyway, the uh, the entertainment doesn't stop though because right on cue 
we get the rest of the dungeon of underpants entering the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and this time we've got we've got the red, we've got the character in the uh, the red and yellow. But this time he's carrying a harpoon for some reason. What was he? What was he like? Was he threatening to actually throw this? Like, what was the whole point <laughs> to, of taking to this? To properly like? impale someone. Yeah, it's bonkers. Anyway, Please. we don't get we don't get any inkling towards who this character is. We get two other characters like last week coming down. We get the uh, the black and white trunked character. We no idea who that guy is. Nah, just and then we get this. another another wrestler in in black pants. No idea who that is as well. So fantastic commentary and communication from Bischoff and the boys. At one point, Mongo refers to the um, harpoon carrier. He says, what's that guy got there in the ring? What? Oh, well, there you go. That's he all says, we need to know. What's that guy? Yeah. What's that guy got there? <laughs> Mongo doesn't even know who he is. No, thanks, Mongo. Fantastic. Yeah, you, you uh, yeah. They're on comms to provide fucking colour to this episode. Nothing yeah, useless. Yeah. Get out. If you if you don't know then you know what chance do we have? He didn't know who he was. He didn't know what he had. No, exactly. Yeah, at least we want from him is you'd, you'd know your roster, wouldn't you? You'd know your roster. Yeah, oh, yeah. shocking, shocking. Yeah, yeah horrific. Excuse so, me. So I mean, what I found like most amazing about this was that in, in the short time from the shark character falling on Scott Norton and the Dungeon of Doom arriving, he, he shot back to his feet straight away. The shark. He got up straight away. <laughs> After all that time of being of being yeah. unconscious, incapacitated after a belly to belly bump, so, so he gets up and starts. He just starts remonstrating oh with with uh, Scott Norton. Then about you know, I mean, if anyone's unha- who should be unhappy, it's Scott Norton. You've been lying on you've been lying on my legs for the last yeah. two minutes, and you're now you're okay. What are you doing? <laughs> shocking, absolutely shocking. Oh, criminal, criminal. Uh, but yeah, utter confusion. And and we've got a pay per view coming up. Um, the Dungeon of Doom are involved, but we don't know, you know, why or the, how. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what. You know, we don't know what. A lot. Of, we, there's a lot of questions, you know, unanswered for us. And anyway, we are onto the main event. We are onto uh, Hulk Hogan and Lex Luger. Uh, Lex Luger on debut. He's been handed this title shot. Title shot on debut. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. people in the back must be livid. <laughs> yeah. They've been there for ages. He rocks up, wears a dodgy shirt from Meatloaf and then fucking lo and behold. Make some gets, questionable statements. Make some and questionable <laughs> statements and gets a title shot. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, but just just before just before the uh, the wrestlers ent- uh, they enter, yeah. uh, Eric Bischoff does reiterate that Luger has joined the WCW because he's sick of playing with kids. Fucking Okay, hell. he is adamant <laughs> he's going to keep insisting on going you, you with can't his... can't let us forget it. No. <laughs> This is this is insane. It's criminal, isn't it? It Absolutely criminal. Okay, so Luger's Luger's uh, Luger enters, and I've got to admit here, he he does look impressive. You know, he physically physically so impressive. Jesus, such a unit. Hopefully, his uh, wrestling ability is a lot more smoother than his ability on the mic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed. Anyway, Hogan's music hits. We get you know a godly amount of pyro kicking off for what. For what is clearly the main guy on this on this program, we then get um, someone on comms. I don't know who it was saying that we can't, we still can't find Vader. I don't know if they've been, <laughs> actually, I don't know if they've been actually looking for him during the program. He's not going to be under the table. I thought um, he was down to his down to his papers. <laughs> not that you couldn't find him. Yeah, just 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 casually mentioning we can't find Vader. Right. Anyway. Um, oh man. <laughs> so we start we start we start with with both wrestlers exchanging submission holds. Um, both sizing each other up, both you know, both physically impressive. Um, so the pace early doors is, is quite slow. Yeah, all, all the rest holds it was just crackers, wasn't it? Like we've only been, it was a slow, boring start, and they followed that up with rest holds. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you, yeah, that's it. <laughs> what, we, we are get, you doing? 
Yeah, it was, we, so we, we do actually get a nice, we get a nice like snap suplex from Hogan, but then he, he ruins it then with just <laughs> yeah. this, this, this nonsense to the crowd. Exactly. So I, I lost straight interest up. then straight away. I thought, fuck you, Hulkam. I don't find you credible. So do one. So we do get we we do get that back and forth, you know, manoeuvre. Then you know, a, a taunt to the crowd. Yeah. So that that goes on for, for quite long. a long time. <laughs> it, 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 it just feels so staged, though, doesn't it? And yeah. fake. It, it, you know, it takes away all the credibility of it actually being, you know, a, a, a main a event. Kind event of thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Luger picks up Hogan. He puts him in the torture rack. Crap finisher. It's the worst finisher in the world. Did you pick up on this though? At one point, the referee's like like steadying Hogan. He's like ponies, and I think he was trying to. He's obviously trying to, you know, do the the the, the arm count kind of thing. But he's he's like he's like holding him at I one point. That. So he, does, he doesn't Fuck fall it off it. Oh, it, it looks, Jesus Christ! It, look, it looks so bad. What was even more bizarre then was you know Lex Luger. He, he, he believes he's won the, the match here through like a through like a count a count out kind of thing. And dis, despite the referee being two feet away, yeah, and just, no bell going, he just lets him <laughs> yeah. go and goes, "I've won." Yeah, that's not how it works, Lex, is it? Because just, just ask him, Lex. Oh, he's right next to you. It's shocking. It's so bad. This gives Hogan the opportunity to again want again Hulk up, you know, starts giving him the finger and the head shaking kind of antics. Uh, he slams Luger to the mat, hits him with this infamous leg drop, and before the referee can uh, can start the pin count, we get another interruption from the Dungeon of Doom. They've only been out of this ring for about eight minutes, I reckon. <laughs> so we, we we get the you know we get the Dungeon of Doom back in the ring. And this then is the signal for the WCW bell ringer to start ringing this bell an insane amount of times, <laughs> just in case we'd forgotten that there was an interruption taking place. <laughs> Honestly, insane. Go, was... go back and count it. It's, it's bizarre. It's oh, absolutely bizarre. Travel figures. Um, gotta be. <laughs> so the Dungeon of Doom, the, 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 the taking Hulk on, the, you know, they've got him on the floor, they're kicking him in. This, this is a cute, macho man starts to run down. He, he enters the ring. Uh, starts to to take care of, of of the majority of the Dungeon of Doom. Sting joins him to assist with this, and at this point we've got we've got two people uh, taking on the entirety of the Dungeon of Doom, which leads us to the question of why we should pay for the pay per view this Sunday, <laughs> because this main Correct. event now is you know for it, the it, second it, time in two weeks we've had two people clearing out the Dungeon of Doom without, yeah. without batting an eyelid, like they they do not pose a threat that yeah, we know. They're a shambles, are they? They're an absolute shambles. shambles. You did right. But then what we what we what we are left with then is we, we've got we've got me and Gene back in the rink. Um, we, we've, we've, no. He's taking this opportunity to to, to question Hulk Hogan about um, you know the the missing spot, the vacant spot on his team heading into war games. And this 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 segment now is just five minutes of. Lex Luger, Hulk Hogan, Sting, and the Macho Man shouting over each other. <laughs> is, Who can get in first yeah, to, to, to no answer, answer is, Mean Gene's questions? <laughs> it's is, utter bonkers. It's terrible. It's, it, I thought, like, I mean, there's a lot of seasoned pros there. In fact, everyone's a seasoned pro, aren't yeah. they, really? There's no rookies. Yeah. And they just must have no experience of doing a, a, a live promo like this because it is just so bad, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's shocking. Yeah, you, you lose where you're up to in the conversation as well. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Nothing's said. Yeah. At one point, you know, Macho misses a cue to say something, then has to say something and go back. It, it, it was, it was, it was shoddy, wasn't it? <laughs> it really um, was. But ultimately, the, the the message that that they're trying to get across is, you know, there's 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 questions about, you know, Luger's uh, involvement. You know, is he going to be? Is he going to turn on on this team? Uh, so they decide to have a vote in the middle of the, uh, the ring there and then. Uh, <laughs> sting vote, sting. 
votes for Lex Luger to to, to come and join the team straight he's away. Mad keen, isn't he? Still yeah, he's he's, he's keen. Yeah, a lot of admiration for Lex Luger here from Sting. He, he votes straight away. He wants him on board. Um, Macho Man doesn't like this. He votes against, <laughs> which leaves Hulk Hogan with the deciding vote. Kelsey, of course, yes. Who else would have? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, yeah he, he doesn't take much convincing. He he, he just he, yeah he, he he's he's on board straight away. You know, there's not much force to it. He's just like, so what you're saying is, do we want Lex Luger on the team? And then <laughs> makes a decision anyway. Um, bonkers. Um, so yeah, Correct. so that that that's that's what we're well, that's what we finish on. We, we're finishing on this 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 madness, this five minutes period of madness. Um, where there's, I mean, why did they have one mic? Like, <laughs> no, what is going on? Absolute car crash. Um, and then before we cut out, we head back to the uh, the comms team and we are greeted by Mongo, who is holding his chihuahua, who this week is dressed in a sombrero. <laughs> um, no reason why. I don't know if this is good. This is, this is definitely going to be something that's running forward. You know, the difference, different fancy dress every week. And that is it. We are out. <laughs> So that was WCW Monday Nitro's response to the first shot of the war from WWF Raw. Let's see what we thought with the ratings builders and killers. We'll kick off with Jim. What did you make of WCW Monday Nitro in terms of your ratings builders? Builder number one is Scott Norton. I mean, this is a lofty position in the builders given what happened to him, given how he was comprehensively buried at the end. His career might well be over after what happened at the end, but still... (laughs) I thought he was the most compelling of all the wrestlers on the show and he, he did the old uh, the badass heel role he, he played it quite well the badass heel gimmick was played quite well brilliant building number two you guys are touching it quite a lot I thought um, so there's not a lot more to add but a Sabu so with again the insane ending of the match which I'll come to momentarily aside and <laughs> uh, yeah, the scant regard for his own safety always makes for good entertainment, like uh, like you said, Liam. And build number three, I've got excitement. So there's lots of matches featuring huge, albeit mainly over the hill, names. Yeah. So which gives the show a kind of big time feel to it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And then couple that with the kind of the pyro, the lights, the loud noises, everything else. It kind of, uh, you can imagine watching this at the time in 1995 and thinking, yeah, this is it's a bit different, this. Yeah. And that's yeah. Uh, certainly... A positive at this stage. Lovely, yeah, proper spectacle. Totally agreed. My builder number one was Macho Man being Macho Man, just entertaining in a, in a, in the truest sense of the word. I he will be the first thing I would look forward to tuning into next week to see what more he's going to do. And I know it's going to be the same thing again, and that is perfectly fine because I love him. Mental, just wrestling in a nutshell. Love it. Build number two. A different breed of wrestlers emerging. So on the flip side to Macho, Sabu and Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright, cracking stuff. Love the match. Great stuff. Want to see more of them. Sounds like I'm going to. Brilliant. And build number three. I already cannot stand Scott Norton, which means he's done his job superbly. Great heel. Can't wait to see more. Liam, what were your Nitro ratings builders? Builder number one for WCW Nitro was Scott Norton. Very impressive, very, very physical, 
great heel, uh, genuine dislike from the crowd. I love how he interacts with the crowd. You know, yeah. he, genuine like hatred in his face that he gets across. Uh, I thought he, you know, he, he matched up well with um, with Macho Man. I thought that was a great match. Bar bar the ending, uh, I thought it was the best match on the card. But as as this this new heel, yeah, I was very impressed with Scott Norton. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with the Sabu and Alex Wright uh, match. I thought it was a nice surprise, to be honest. I wasn't expecting, you know, yeah. great things, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was a good tempo. They, they both matched each other, both demonstrated their aerial abilities. Um, and it was a great way to open the show. So I was impressed with that with that contest. And number three, Bobby Heenan. He's got a fight on his hands trying to, you know, to, to, to prop up this this feces he has to deal with <laughs> on the comms team. But he's great. He's absolutely great. He, the, the timing of his comments is just fantastic. And even when sometimes he could be as, as really cheesy, um, he just sells them, sells them really well. Oh, he's class act. Um, class act. Yeah, yeah totally he, is, he is. He is a class act on this yeah. comms team. So again, tip of the cap to, uh, to Bobby Heenan this week. Fantastic. Yeah, I second that. Fantastic stuff. So over to the killers. Jim, what were the things that are making you not want to tune into Nitro next week? Killer number one is the the shambolic, the disaster, the fucking train wreck <laughs> of a five-way interview at the end of the programme. Jesus, yeah. Don't do one of them live again, lads. <laughs> you don't know how to do it. It was an absolute shambles. It was. It was just absurd. Speaking of absurd, we move on to building number two, <laughs> which is the reversal of the decision after <laughs> the Sabu v Alex Wright match. Absolutely, put right through, puts right through the table after beating him, and is then DQ'd for a match he's already won. I mean, <laughs> just saying I mean, it out loud. Oh, just try. Come on, he's bonkers. We just pretend bonkers. we're trying to make it make sense at least, guys. Fucking hell, do you know what I mean? Criminal. So what they expect there is like behaviour to be impeccable after a match is finished. You literally have to walk back to the yeah. locker room, and that is it. Yeah, you shake hands. You get if, one, yeah, one exactly. Yeah. The crowd and leave. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's not going to happen, is it? Come on, lads. <laughs> Final one. Building number three from me. For the second week running, it's Steve Mongo McMichael again. <laughs> Still, the stupid comments. He's not funny. He's just, he's annoying. He's the fact he didn't even know who half the Dungeon of Doom were. That fucking dog he keeps bringing out oh, on the show. I'm painful. starting to wait the dog now. Uh, <laughs> it's just this kind of desperate attempt to differentiate himself. And he, look, I've got this dog. Look like, at me, what everybody. What a thing that is. Like, yeah. Christ. Pathetic. Do one, Mongo. <laughs> Can't argue with any of that. And I'll start with my first ratings killer, which is the identical one to your last ratings killer, Jim Mongo. Fuck me. Appalling from start to finish. I felt he was even more distracting this week than he was the first week. Maybe he got a grace period with me, not really sort of knowing him. Now I'm used to it and know what to expect. And the gulf, the gulf, the chasm between him and Bobby Heenan is just comedy beyond belief it's like you know a f- you know kids five a side team playing against Barcelona crackers killer number two all the run-ins stop it stop it you can you can book matches in different ways you don't need a run-in you don't need one and you don't need 75. When you have one, it doesn't need to have all of the members of Dungeon of Doom getting there for no other reason than they can't run at the same pace. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it now. And killer number three, Luger. The man looks a million bucks, but is so bad on the mic. I, it, it, this was, a, this was a, a genuine 
bind to get through. Like I, I had to fight to to not stop this on the network. Like awful. <laughs> Liam, over to you. What were your WCW Monday Nitro ratings killers? So number one on the killers board this week. Um, and it was a very easy decision. This it was the shark interference. <laughs> I mean, what the hell was this? <laughs> Shocking. Like I went back and slowed it down just to see if there was any like serious contact, <laughs> and he literally hits like Scott Norton's like shoulder. <laughs> oh God, that's the knockout blow. And the contact is it is minimal. It, it oh, I mean he, he needs to question his future as a wrestler if he's getting knocked out by <laughs> that kind of contact. He's clearly in the wrong game if that's uh, if that's knocking him unconscious. Um, <laughs> it, it was pathetic, and like we said, it, it ruined a great match. Uh, number two from the same match. Okay. I've gone for the disqualification decision from the referee. Uh, I thought that was bizarre. Um, yeah. as, as, you, as you've pointed out, we got a bizarre decision earlier on with the uh, the Sabu disqualification. But if you're going to be consistent and, and you, you're making sure the, the viewers are aware of that, you're pulling up these, uh, these, these interference, this involvement... I mean, the referee can clearly see that there's a, there's a guy on Scott Norton. <laughs> no, That's... Just... It's, it's clearly impeding Scott Norton. He can't get up because of this guy, and he cracks on with the pinfall. I that was that was strange. He's it was hardly strange. inconspicuous, neither is he. The shark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The refs aren't missed him. You know, the ref has not missed him. Yeah, it was it was so inconsistent, shocking. Um, so that that is that is uh, killer number two, and killer number three. I'm going for the main event. It it was so dull. It was so boring. It it felt so staged. Um, Cheesy. I hated this pause flex for the the the, uh, the, the crowd. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. atrocious. It was absolutely atrocious. There you go. That was the first ever episode of the Monday Night Scores, covering the first ever WCW Monday Nitro, followed by the first time Nitro and Raw went head-to-head on the same night. So with all of that in mind, which show did we think deserved to win the battle for viewing figures in this first skirmish of the Monday Night Wars? Liam, which one of the September 11th editions of Nitro and Raw did you think deserved to win? I think there's quite a lot of... of, of, uh errors and mistakes on both shows a yeah. lot of improvements to, to be made yeah. um, the scope but focusing on, on, on Nitro and uh, you're bigging up this main event you know you, you claimed it to be match of the century um, oh, I thought it I thought it was a dire way to, to end the programme so yeah. for, for that and for the shark interference I've got to hand it to Raw I thought yeah <laughs> Raw was, was, was just just better this week. Great stuff. Jim, same question to you. Which one did you think deserved to win the fight for viewing figures? Uh, same question, same answer, because I thought it was a bit more clear-cut than uh, Liam. I thought the Raw win was, it was an absolute guarantee in the sense that mm. the amount of teething issues on Nitro, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, comedy with the, the, the pitiful interview at the end. Mongo, who's been a distraction the whole time. Um, the shit main events, the shark incident, you know, <laughs> all these points, they're all shambolic. Easy, one for row. Lovely stuff. I will then book the trend. I take all of those fair criticisms of Nitro, don't disagree with any of them. However, starting to show the exciting glimpses of a, a another way of Sabu, Das Wunderkind, 
that kind of glimmer of hope that this is the path forward for the Monday Night Wars meant that I think Nitro just edged it. So I'll go for Nitro. Right, well, that's what we think. But what did the American public think in 1995? Let's open the golden envelope to find out how both shows scored in the Nielsen ratings on that day. Raw, 2.5. Nitro, 2.4. First blood to Raw. Let's yell. The American viewing public were in agreement with you two. Great stuff. It's 1-0 to Raw then on the Monday Night Scoreboard. Well, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please share us with someone else you think might like it too. And don't forget to subscribe or even leave us a review. It would be hugely appreciated. You can also be kept up to date with all the latest from us by following us on Twitter. We are at TMNScores. That's at TMNScores. Well, I have been one of your hosts. My name is Steve and I have been joined by Jim. Say goodbye, Jim. Bye-bye. And I've also been joined by Liam. Say goodbye, Liam. Bye. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, this has been the Monday Night Scores. 